You're listening to an EWS Fresh Research Unit. Here, a summary and review are made to major scientific articles covering the sports psychology and learning domains. Your host delivers the best models and research experiences in order to enhance your athletic game at several levels. Get in a coffee space and appreciate this one. Hi, dear listener. Welcome to a new Fresh Research episode. I know it's been a long time since the last ones, which, by the way, were about the optimal model on motor learning and skill acquisition, a framework that provides a set of suggestions about ways in which a person could go better about their processes of learning and uh, certain physical skills. And the other one was about self-esteem and self-image. And we have another one about goals on goal setting that is in Portuguese. As you may have noticed, as it's obvious from my purpose, the content we provide here on this series is aimed to assist sports people, especially athletes and coaches, to become better informed and equipped with knowledge and tools that can serve their training sessions, their performance overall, and that can contribute also to deal better with ourselves, especially in difficult moments on or off the field, so that our mental health, our motivation and our efforts towards sports practice are taken care of with curiosity, openness and compassion, big values for me and that I firmly believe that are in great service to the better development of athleticism. And that's within all these lines that today's episode will go about. I consider this a critical one because it serves more or less directly all the points I've just said before. It really is a fundamental pillar for any performer that can assist to nurture any area imaginable related to performance. I am talking about rest, I am talking about sleep. I had the production of this episode in mind for a long time and I was propelled to give shape to the idea the more I was confronted for the importance of this slip from different sources. Hearing specialists on the research field of sleep, some YouTube channels I follow mentioning it several ways and even having our recent guest, Dr. Eddie O'Connor, a clinical and sports psychologist, mentioning sleep as the number one ingredient to efficiently work sports. By the way, I strongly suggest you to give it a listen to this interview, as I've found it to be one of the most essentials at EWS for athletes. And well, this fresh research unit will be more than a unit. This because I am about to present not a single study or two, but rather two meta-analyses This is a term that basically refers on the research world to a compendium of reviewed studies, showing the main results and sharing some considerations about them. And both of these are super fresh, one from 2019 and the other from this year. Plus, both are directed specifically for athletes. 
And before I start to unpack what's contained there, I should leave a couple of notes. The first is that in a certain sense, my speech for the next minutes will be more unstructured. Not in a bad way, I believe, as I will not follow methods followed on the studies per se, and I will jump from ones to others, but at the same time, it will not be as complex for you to listen, and it will be easier to digest. The second note is that I don't advise anyone to follow something that is said here strictly, blindly. Any information I'm about to share may contain details that are liable to be read in the integral studies, and it's always open to experimentation and failure in one's sleep routines and results. It's no bulletproof effects that are shown here. I remind that this is a grown field also, and as with almost any other area in science, it's open to error and... Again, nothing is foolproof coming from science, nothing is guaranteed. I also remind you that I leave the papers mentioned on the links in the description of this episode, as well as other resources for you to explore more. I will start by providing some contextualization about sleep. What is sleep, its phases, and some general science for it. I remind you that if this part doesn't interest you that much, you can skip forward to any specific part you have at the description of this episode on clickable timestamps. And before I go there on to describing sleep, let me sell you on the big importance and impact a good and healthy sleep hygiene can have. First, I had this suspicion for great influences and implications that sleep quality and quantity could have on one's mood, one's abilities, uh, our energy, precision on skills, etc. And accompanying this, I had the idea that sleep is very often something that either is dismissed in its importance or taken as guaranteed within performance contexts, or even one of the first things to be discarded or sacrificed to favor more hours of work. And I can stress, I can't stress enough how antithetical this is. It's incredible how pervasive is this narrative, or simply this tendency to favor hard work and to celebrate extra hours put it in at night, supposedly during sleep time. Well, let's face it, it can certainly feel good to sometimes have dedicated oneself like that, to show off the results obtained or attributed to that resiliency. It's indeed a sign of tremendous dedication and a laudable effort, I'm not saying otherwise. What I hope I am transmitting here, and hope to be combating with this episode, is that rest is not only fundamental and in need to be prioritized, but also it is the way for better performance. So it is wiser to optimize one's sleep so that results could be optimized also. And so as these ideas were running through my mind and motivating me to produce this episode, I was glad to have read these words from researchers. Quote, Many athletes and coaches prioritize exercise and seek to obtain the highest quality fitness. However, 
Quality sleep should be part of the foundation of an elite athlete's routine. Building this vital function into an athlete's training program must be emphasized. Athletes can train themselves to improve their sleep if they have deficits, which by all measures should translate into improved performance, end quote. And this is from one of the review of studies I've referenced. I underline this last piece here. If you have deficits, whether in sleep or performance, then optimizing sleep should translate by all measures into improved performance. And as you will see, more and more studies are showing this direction. As well as the one that when a person sleeps worse, consistently over time, she will have her performances impaired. Now, to solidify the pivotal character of sleep, we should look at it with an evolutionary standpoint. In other words, let me explain this. See, through the years of the evolution of human beings, we became increasingly better equipped mentally and physically in order to survive and thrive. We got better posture and mobility skills, better adjusted teeth, overall strength, etc. Just ones that I can remind of from the top of my head. And when we think about sleep, it is so odd and fascinating at the same time. Since we had to become more intelligent and ready to fight adaptively to prosper, how so? Sleep, which keeps us with our eyes closed, makes us inactive, not reproducing at all, not gathering food, not functional to attack or defend, how so? It was still needed to be developed for our own good. And so, as you can see, sleep must have some pretty relevant roles in us as humans. It's like our reservoir of energy. And our last guest at EWS came to my mind again. Dr. Eddie O'Connor said again that the number one ingredient to EWS is around sleep hygiene. Look at that. This guy that has plenty of experience and things to share to assist athletes for the better in many ways has chosen sleep. And this can just be because he knows about the primordial importance it has for an athlete to be able to perform at his or her best capacity. He even considers it as the main way to fill up one's personal gas tank. Huh. I will go further on to quoting from Matt Walker on this, a world-leading sleep researcher and public speaker sensitizing for the importance of sleep. And he says on a simple and functional answer for what is sleep that sleep is the single most effective thing you can do to reset your brain and body health. Plus, scientists have also discovered that without proper sleep, we cannot form or maintain the neural pathways that let us learn and create new memories, as well as it becomes harder to concentrate and to respond quickly. Anyways, sleep is considered as a phenomenon with a set of biological and physiological complex processes undergoing. I will not try to cover all of it in depth for sure here, and from me, it's not the most appropriate place to learn about it, but briefly put, sleep is important to many brain functions, including how neurons communicate with each other, as you might have got the sense already, and in fact, findings in science suggest that sleep plays a housekeeping role that removes toxins in our brain that build up 
while we are awake. We have four stages in human sleep, and good quality sleep is found on criteria within these four stages. These four stages are divided in two types of sleep, rapid high movement, REM sleep, and non-REM sleep. Each stage is linked to specific brain waves and neuronal activity, and we cycle through all stages of non-REM and REM sleep several times during a typical night, with increasingly longer REM periods occurring closer to morning, and this is the stage where we usually dream. Stage 1, non-REM sleep, is the first one. It is the changeover from wakefulness to sleep, obviously, and during this short period, which is characterized by light sleep for a few minutes, our heartbeat, breathing and eye movements slow down, and our muscles start to relax. Our brain waves begin to slow from their daytime wakefulness patterns. For stage 2 non-REM sleep, this is also a period of light sleep before entering on deeper sleep, heart rate and breathing slow, and muscles relax even further. Our body temperature drops and high movements stop. Brainwave activity slows but is marked by brief bursts of electrical activity. This is the stage we spend the more time in. Stage 3 non-REM sleep is the period of deep sleep that you need to feel refreshed in the morning. It occurs in longer periods during the first half of the night. Quick note here, that's why it's recommended if you want to regain some hours of sleep that you do so by going to sleep earlier more than waking up later. And here, on this stage, rest takes a deeper place. Our heartbeat and breathing slow to their lowest levels and muscles are fully relaxed and it may be difficult to awaken oneself. Brain waves become even slower and, to finish a cycle, comes in the REM sleep. It first occurs more or less about 90 minutes after falling asleep. It's called REM because, you know it, our eyes move rapidly from side to side behind closed eyelids. Our breathing becomes faster and irregular here, and our heart rate and blood pressure increase to near-waking levels. Our muscles become temporarily paralyzed, which prevents us from acting out our dream scenes. And to take a final note around this, memory consolidation most likely requires both non-REM sleep and REM sleep. And I'm a share another curious facts before I unpack contents from the studies with athletes. You see, during sleep, amazingly, our brainwave activity is changed through its stages in ways that are much more spiked and dramatic than during some wake states. For example, during the REM stage, some parts of our brains are like 30% more active than when we are awake. Another quick considerations to have in mind are in regards to two things. The case for polyphasic sleep is the first one. This is a widespread idea of sleeping several times during a day in short amounts, and this often is shared with the intention of performance and alertness enhancements. And the other one we will go next is on chronotypes. First, ideas around benefits from polyphasic sleep protocols are mostly nonsense. 
according to some specialists, and in fact, with no solid backups from science. Dr. Matt Walker, for example, asserts that there are no documented cases or evidences for this in terms of energy, alertness, performance characteristics, and more so, <clears throat> there is not that much of a reliable logic for this. Maybe this is because usually there are found more benefits from extended sleep time instead of short bits, and maybe this is related with the consolidated sleep stages, meaning since the cycle through all the stages I've just mentioned above lasts for 60 to 90 minutes, more close to the 90 usually, it's sensible to give the opportunity for our organism to complete adequately some cycles of those without interruptions for the best of benefits, you know? So, the next time you feel like to say that you slept like a baby, to tell that you rested pretty well, well, reconsider the statement, because babies often sleep in unpredictable times and for short amounts, and so let's implement, instead, good and healthy nights of sleep where we sleep like an adult. And speaking of nurturing healthy sleep, the other thing that should be good for your information is that each person has her tendencies towards sleep and wakefulness. Chronotype is related to one's circadian rhythms, preferences, routines and organism in general. Each person has a chronotype. And there are four types. Lion, bear, wolf or dolphin. The assessment for this is possible through a questionnaire. Yes, you can discover your chronotype and adjust your routines accordingly for the best benefits again. And I will leave two links in the description for this. I will not unravel much more on details, but simply put, the chronotype is your own personal biological clock that controls body's rhythms. It dictates your tendency to fall asleep, your tendency to wake up at a certain time of the day, and affects your levels of grumpiness and focus throughout the day, for example. Even more so, it touches with influence on when you should eat, take coffee, socialize, work and exercise. Some guidelines are found within each of those four types after you answer the questionnaire. Interestingly, this chronotype is much determined by a gene called PER3, but again, for more information you can always explore more, there are two links in the description for that and also for the questionnaire. Wait, excuse me, before you continue on for the episode, I will just ask you for a review. This is a common request, I know, and I imagine it can be tedious to do so, to divert now, and I am aware you as a listener just want to grow through. However, if you do so on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, it makes an important contribution for EWS growth and for us to keep providing relevant contents for you to actualize your sports practice and mental game. And also for me to be able to continue to bring in great guests. Moreover, each month we randomly select their two winners to receive exclusive material that will assist them reaching their full sporting potential. Also, it is important for me to hear your feedback. So head over there, please. The links are in the description, as always, alongside with the timestamps. See ya! Other thing to mention, to spike your interest in this area of athletics, is that on his book, 
Why We Sleep, Matt Walker makes reference to studies that show that good sleep can be good for motor skill development. More concretely, on the importance of sleep spindles. These are bursts of neural oscillatory activity that are generated by two areas of the brain during stage 2 sleep in a frequency ranging from 11 to 16 Hz. And the more these occur, the more increases in speed and accuracy underpinned by efficient automaticity were shown by participants in physical tasks proposed. This is amazing, and this effect is more accentuated especially for spindles in the last two hours of an eight-hour ni night of sleep, and this was also linked with a memory boost. Now, I know I've given already plenty of information before jumping in precisely to the content of this fresh research episode, and still, I want to just lay out two informations to take in consideration along what I will share for the rest of the episode. One is that one of the most reliable general ideas for maintaining sleep hygiene is to have sleep regularly and consistently. It's like this rule of thumb to go to sleep at the same time every night and wake up at the same hour having 7 to 8 hours of continuous sleep. And the other idea, also commonly shared and with an intuitive sense, is that of catching up on sleep. For example, by taking naps or by sleeping more one night to compensate other. Well, this is certainly a more complex matter and depends on one's chronotype and I will mention some small results after. In, a just, in just a bit, but basically I must say that it is not so much advisable to do that and just to trust sleep to regularize by itself by retaking one's habits of consistent and regular sleep I've just mentioned before. Sure enough, if you feel tired you may tweak here and there by taking more sleep However, I'm no one to provide advice here. I remind you again that there are sleep experts taking consultations to best assess your needs, routines and goals towards sleep. So the same applies in what you may infer from the next pieces of information. So having said this, let's go. The first review of studies I've read and that I will be picking from is Sleep Hygiene for Optimizing Recovery in Athletes, Review and Recommendations. First of all, take in mind the following. Many of these studies begin by pointing to previous research that show that a chronic lack of sleep or getting poor quality sleep overall increases the risk of disorders including high blood pressure, cardiovascular diseases, diabetes, depression and obesity. So this is just to show how big of impacts poor sleep can have on us. Although I reserve that in some cases it's hard to find the correct causality on this, meaning that there are instances that it is maybe not so much that lack of sleep gives rise to one of these undesirable conditions like depression, but it is more depression that give, gives rise to poor sleep. Anyways, going forward, this review summarizes from 40 relevant studies the effects of sleep deprivation and sleep extension on athletic performance, including things like reaction time, accuracy, strength and endurance, and cognitive functions. 
And as I've promised, I'll go directly to results. But not first without mentioning that authors contend that sleep is not an isolated phenomenon causing its tolls or its benefits per se. Alongside this, they assert that the three pillars of health include diet, exercise and sleep, and argue that ignoring one causes the other two to suffer. To add on this, and highlighting from the contentions I've made on the beginning, one should have in consideration that many sleep disorders exist even unnoticed to some, and so people sometimes remain undiagnosed and untreated for apnea, insomnia and other conditions. Still, overall, in general, there are clear negative effects of sleep deprivation on performance. Examples are those reaction times getting slower, accuracy getting more imprecise, less submaximal strength and less endurance. Cognitive functions such as judgment and decision-making also suffer overall through these studies from research, and I'll be somewhat more detailed on these aspects in a moment, but still, I remind you that the links for the studies are in the description, which you can always explore more. I can also already note to you that these meta-reviews are provided with clinical commentary and recommendations to equip clinicians and the general public with up-to-date knowledge and guidelines for primary and secondary care. Now on sleep extension. Sleep extension can positively affect reaction times, mood, sprint times, tennis serve accuracy, swim turns, kick stroke efficiency, and increased free-throw and three-point accuracy. Another important consideration on these around sleep extension, and arising more lately on research studies, is the new idea that banking sleep, sleep extension prior to a night of intentional sleep deprivation before a sporting uh, event, for example, may also improve performance. But again, there is no strong evidence yet for this, being something open to more exploration. Why is this even mentioned right here? Well, you guessed it, because elite athletes are reported to sleep less than non-athletes, like six and a half hours of sleep per night, just that. And some reasons for this to happen are important to look at. Let's see, this may occur caused by sport-specific aspects, like because of strict training schedules, competition times, rigorous methods, time zone changes, or when the athletes travel aboard, and can happen for other kinds of reasons. Some more personal and psychological, which we will not unravel here, some related precisely with one's chronotype not being respected, and others pointing to some maladaptive habits. And the most obvious here is the overuse of electronic devices. Not only an overuse, but more critically, the use of those with high luminosity and at late hours at the final of the day. There are plenty of studies indicating some detrimental effects of this, mainly because of the blue light emission from screens, which will disrupt the body's natural melatonin production, which is a critical hormone that helps regulate one's circadian rhythms and primes an individual for the onset of sleep. 
Plus, when the levels of melatonin are disturbed, next morning alertness levels can also be affected. Oneself becoming more groggy from there, for example, and so this is a big and main thing to have in mind for the preservation of sleep hygiene. And alongside it, you may also want to check the possibility of acquiring some glasses that filter these blue light rays to our eyes, minimizing the adverse effects just mentioned. Another habit that might be open to tweak in order to enhance sleep quality is to shut off earlier from engagements on social media. Oftentimes, a player may have the tendency of posting messages and news after training sessions or matches, and that may also dysregulate the body's tendency for rest, both physical and mental. When one does that, one is exchanging time that is dedicated for rest and to sleep to cognitively engage with another tasks and entertainment, possibly. Because there you have it, you are dysregulating your natural hour for going to sleep by doing so, or just preparing to go to sleep, for example by usually turning down the lights, not working, not eating, not moving too much, not playing games, etc. And this is good to have these shutoffs like half an hour to an hour prior to going to bed. And all of these I've just shared touches on another tendency present in many sports cultures and indeed is on the grit of an athlete, which unfortunately is, unfortunately in some sense, that of one's quick possibility of downplaying on sleep. What do I mean by this? Well, it is that athletes may have a predisposition to find other aspects more important for them in service of their athleticism and skill development, like studying more, exerting more extra efforts, and thus sleep here gets easier to sacrifice, like a means to attain an end of improvement. And sometimes this is pointed at with pride, because it shows an above-average dedication, which may be good following one's passion and professional desires, but at the end of the day, most probably, is taking a toll in one's energy and performance cues, as mentioned before. And I must say, it's exactly because of behaviors like these, which are mostly inverted in their perceptions, like these on sacrificing sleep, seen as a good thing, you know, that I was moved to produce this episode again. It's rarely the case that we sense on our skin the true deep impacts of sleep, that can have in our performance and work, whatever it may be, as well as, logically, uh, the impact sleep has on our mental sanity, for better or worse. And keep in mind the following. The prevalence of sleep inadequacy has been reported to be high among elite athletic population, those who often experience disruptive training and competition schedules that limit the opportunity for sleep, are the most impacted ones. This is characterized by habitual sleep durations uh, below 7 hours, as I've mentioned. Uh, they mention sleep dissatisfaction and refreshing sleep, daytime sleepiness and daytime fatigue. 
Studies reporting global sleep quality show that 50% to 78% of elite athletes experience some sleep disturbance of some kind and 22 to 26% suffer indeed from highly disturbed sleep. So to end on this note, I should contend for you, if you're an athlete listening, to be on the lookout for sleep problems and more precisely to control the best possible for risk factors associated with your sports style and sporting routines like the high training loads, traveling and jet lag, the behaviors on the night before the competition, the start times late in the evening and early morning training sessions. Still, over all of this, it's super relevant to note that focusing on healthy sleep throughout all weeks of training is thus important, not just the night before competition when sleep even may be the most difficult. Now, some data from sleep on the general population. See, just inadequate sleep duration has been associated with a myriad of negative health effects, including neurocognitive, metabolic, immunologic and cardiovascular dysfunction. More so, people who are sleep-deprived may have impaired brain function that could affect judgment and or decision-making during athletic performance. A more nutritional one, and with complex links, is that, and this is quoted from the review, Sleep-deprived individuals may crave unhealthy foods and show impairments in glucose sensitivity, which may impair glycogen repletion and potentially affect appetite, food intake and protein synthesis, which in turn may affect one's energy levels to perform optimally. Beyond this, impaired sleep also negatively affects growth hormone and cortisol secretion. And even more amazingly and critically is when sleep deprivation increases pro-inflammatory cytokines, a class of cell organelles, which impairs immune system function and impedes muscle recovery and repair from damage. It also leads to autonomic nervous system imbalances, simulating here overtraining symptoms, and I will go for that in just a bit, and finally, results in slower or less accurate cognitive performance and alters even pain perception. <laughs> Needless to say, how relevant all of these are for athletic performance. And hum, well, and this is turning out to seem like an episode to scare you off, but I hope it serves good purposes. You want some more? So... Some more physical effects from sleep deprivation are, you ready? Decreased running performance, decreased muscle glycogen concentration, and reduced isokinetic peak torque. Even more, lesser than usual distance covered, worse sprint times, and worse time to reach exhaustion. As for some other potentially negative cognitive effects, this time they have found Decreased psychomotor functions, mood, like a less readiness to perform, and less vigor, a subjective feeling of energy and enthusiasm, and increased reaction time and confusion. And there are two things that I would like to note from all of those. See, 
these cognitive elements often play a more important role in elite sports than physical ones, when, let's say, judgment, decision-making and reaction times are crucial. You know it. If one thought at first sight that sleep rests the body much more than the mind and feels this for himself, and that heat helps him to be physically prepared to perform, well, reconsider that. Okay, besides the fact that we can find that physical aspects are not as much affected by 2 to 3 hours of sleep deprivation on a given night, and some studies even show that things like gross motor functioning and anaerobic strength are preserved, the cognitive aspects turn the matter more sensitive. Like, it's commonly harder to notice the differences in the levels of cognitive abilities during performance. You know it's tough. And still, they play a super important role there. For example, the focus one needs to maintain and one's capacity for anticipating from attacking moves and the ability for switching for defensive moves on the second the team loses the ball, for example. And still, on this matter of passing unnoticed, the cognitive elements might even go mistaken when impaired by a lack of physical preparation of some sort, like a sense of grogginess that is confused with general fatigue. And let's face it, this clearly touches on that adage that goes by saying that the little things and that the mental game makes the difference on the field. I mean, this is crucial to take in consideration, because whereas highly trained athletes are often considered similar regarding their physical abilities, their technical abilities, high-level cognitive function may therefore play the pivotal role in competition outcomes. And simple final consideration for the maintenance of these physical and cognitive aspects or skills is that restoration of sleep and sleep extension will preserve or improve the same ones mentioned. What about that? And perhaps more interestingly is when we look at reports from the athletes themselves. It's when they were otherwise looked upon as healthy and productive athletes by the others and then they say that they didn't feel as fatigued or sleepy as often afterwards which suggests, indeed, some previous suboptimal habits that they had, and that these actualized nights were of good restorative sleep. Well, what you just heard was something probably easy to understand. But to assimilate this or put it into practice is a harder task for sure. At EWS we aim to translate the theory and mental principles into practice the best way possible but it all comes down to you. Take a moment to really reflect. Is this good for me? What can I do today to implement it? Again, the keyword, practice. How can you translate this into practice? Practice it and go ahead. Keep enjoying the process of efficiently working sports. Again. You might want to be on the lookout for insomnia symptoms that are prevalent on elite athletes, like longer sleep latency, more time needed to fall asleep, I mean, greater sleep fragmentation, like waking up 
several times more than usual during the night and having difficulties falling back asleep, having a sense of non-restorative sleep and excessive daytime fatigue. There, are, there was one study making reference that long-term sleep problems were particularly prominent in contact and combat sport athletes and in those participating in aesthetic sports. The possible underlying causes may, around, may be around a history of concussion in contact and combat athletes, even if it was slight, this can affect sleep, and an influence of generalized anxiety disorder, negative perfectionism, and low energy availability in the aesthetic sports competitors. And now, another piece of information that I found super interesting and unexpected. And this is fully related with circadian factors and the jet lag, you know, the phenomenon when we mess with our internal biological clock that regulate our sleep and wakefulness states. So a longitudinal study have found an impact of this, precisely, in the peak performance of athletes. See, researchers have looked at the outcomes of NFL football. A big set of games were compared in East Coast teams playing on the West Coast, vis-à-vis West Coast teams playing on the East Coast. The study factored in the point spread a calculation based on the known factors that may influence outcomes of games, for example, better teams, home field advantage, team injury reports, etc. And taken that into control, they've seen that for afternoon games, no difference in outcome was observed. Athletes just performed similarly in a 1pm versus 4pm Eastern Time game, regardless of game location, in the US. Now, for evening games, however, East Coast teams consistently performed poorly on the West Coast and did not beat that point spread stats. Putting this into perspective, for East Coast athletes playing a West Coast night game, the game may end at close to 2am from the standpoint of their body clock. And this disadvantage was consistent across 40 years of NFL games, suggesting a major impact of circadian factors above and beyond traditional recognized sources of variance for these sporting results. And I'll take a chance from this to inform you that there is presented more on methods about and to mitigate the effects of jet lag on this review. Check out the description of the episode. But never too much to remind of the simple, typical recommendations for this. Waking up at the same time each day, establishing the same evening routine before bed, and avoiding stimulants and distractions. And as you know already, long consistent good habits of sleep hygiene will be beneficial for sports performance and other overall health and life benefits. And for a repeated exposure to good habits for sleep, for better sleep, I mean, I will leave a table with those in a link in the description. Continuing on, about naps, a method for sleep extension. Again, take this with a grain of salt. There are no solid replicated results about this and the complexity of different types of naps, majorly on their timings, is something that I will not address here but there is a lot to say about that and still to be scientifically explored. 
Still, there's indication that sport-specific skill execution, as well as sprint performance, can be improved, but a majority of studies, there you go, often lack objective measures of sleep or a control group. From a practical perspective, naps of 20 to 30 minutes can offer a suitable strategy for supplementing lost sleep, improving also peak jump velocity performance. Now, before ending, this is getting very long, I'll touch on a more negative topic again, and a sensitive one, which is about the overtraining phenomena. We know, and I'll quote from the review with this one, that periods of intensified training are inherent to athletes' training programs and are intended to impose training stress to stimulate the physiological adaptations necessary to improve performance. However, when the balance between training stress and adequate recovery is disrupted, an abnormal training response may occur, and functional overreaching and overtraining can develop. Overtraining is defined as a long-term decrement in performance capacity with or without related physiological and psychological signs and symptoms of maladaptation regarding that, in which restoration of performance capacity may take several weeks or even months. Sleep impairments are associated with overtraining syndromes, Direction here remains unclear again on the causality that if bad sleep provokes overtraining symptoms or the other way around, or even both. However, important to say that the impacts of these states are astonishing. Just to provide it a view, several aspects of innate and adaptive immunity are depressed. For example, marked reductions in neutrophil function, lymphocyte uh, proliferation and in circulating T-cells, all processes that help our immune system. More so, overreached athletes with objective signs of moderate sleep disturbance demonstrate a higher incidence of upper respiratory tract infections than non-overreached athletes. And to consider is, there you go, that a depressed immune response, often leading to infection, has been shown to impair sleep. Among all of this, the development of an overreaching or overtraining state and related sleep disturbances may be mediated by alterations of the autonomic nervous system balance, pointing again for the essential key to take rest and having periods of relaxation. Before closing up, I will just point at some limitations and directions on the research area of sleep. Briefly put, some of these studies either lacked in their methodology for an absence of a solid control group to compare more properly the results with the athletes intervened or studied in their routines around sleep, and there is a scarcity of longitudinal studies, as for the difficulties around logistics you can imagine to draw upon more secure impacts and implications of sleep quality on performance levels. Some studies could have implemented better sleep assessment tools. You can also see there that there is an array of them for these purposes, ranging from self-report and other report measures, sleep tracker apps, 
to more technological precise ones, like the polysomnography. And the last, more minute one, is related to the use of different sleep protocols and times of testing the task across studies. I will leave a link in the description for five key recommendations around all of these just mentioned. Some final details that are still interesting that were also mentioned there at the end were that future research should focus on the role and impact of sleep extension and napping on sleep health and performance in elite athletes. In addition, looking after methodology, again, with more accurate, valid and reliable research method, with that in mind, future research should explore the relationship of sleep to immune function and the effect of nutritional manipulation on sleep. And I should say that I find these super important and interesting to cross and gain from areas like food nutrition and psychology. Well, it's been a long, fresh research unit. I hope you find from now on the crucial importance that sleep has, not only in performance levels and indicators around that, but as well in life quality aspects and that you start to give it more care and good tweaks to improve your overall sleep hygiene. Remember, more and more pros are getting these notions across I've shared with you on this episode and more and more athletes and coaches take in consideration that this is an essential pillar for life balance, health and of course for optimizing performance. On this note, I just take advantage to reference that EWS playlists are continuously being developed at Spotify and you can go there anytime to explore the topics you're most interested in. A link will be in the description also for this. Thus, to finish, I would love to know if you have had some troubles with sleep, if this episode was impactful in some sense, how will you reconsider your habits around sleep? What was the most important thing for you to hear? And for all of this, I remind you that you can write a comment right there on some podcast apps, on our Instagram at ewsport.eu, or even by sending a quick voice message on the clickable link I leave right at the end of this episode description. If you prefer to stay anonymous, this is a good option. All simple and free. So take the time to do so, and take a step to be closer of efficiently work your sports practice. Until then, take care. You've listened to a fresh research unit. If you want further reviews about this one, go over the original post for more. You can also enter the discussion by commenting or contacting the team at ewsport.eu. See you on the next one.